Oh, who knows? It's it's a pretty it's a pretty like jerry rigged setup I've got I've got running here. Like I just play the audio through my laptop and then record it on my shotgun mic that's for my 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 camera, but I just run it through my phone. It's it's kind of hard to explain, but it seems to be doing okay. I'm literally um like technologically challenged, so whatever you just said sounded like words, but it's like if you were talking to me about car mechanics. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty so, I'm pretty bad as well. Okay, but basically, let me know if it's uh, if it's doing it again, um, and I'll see if there's something I can change on my end. Um, yeah. All right. Do you want me to start over? Yeah. Yeah. Just kick it off. Tell tell us what you do. So I'm a flight attendant for Air Canada. I've been flying uh, for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, in those uh, 15 years, I've been based out of Toronto, Montreal, and now it's my fourth year being based out of Vancouver. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so I was uh, asking you what is it specifically that you wanted me to, to, to tell you about because it's, uh, it's pretty broad. Like uh, I can talk about experiences, incidents on flights. I can talk about... Um, how it's affected my my life, how it's uh, created uh, um, friendships and connections, and uh, yeah, how it is part of my lifestyle and almost indissociable, indissociable <laughs> uh, from uh, yeah, just from who I am. Yeah, well, it, honestly, it's the the aim of the podcast is totally up to you. We don't even have to talk about what you do we can talk about how much snow we're getting in in whistler and squamish <laughs> right now I'd, um there's no rhyme or reason it's uh honestly just like a free flow com- conversation I like it. but um so yeah don't don't feel don't feel like there's any destination we have to arrive to in our one hour um but flight attendant is super interesting to be honest so uh i'm sure it's something that a lot of people know obviously everyone sort of knows what the job is but not many people might know the the inner workings of a flight mm-hmm. attendant. Um, so what about the training? Is there any specific training you have to undergo as a flight attendant? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'd even start with just like requirements. So being a flight attendant, um, a lot of people wonder, you know, what, 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 what kind of skills they look for. And obviously most of that has to do with uh, um, customer service and languages. Mm-hmm. So in my case, I was coming out of... Um, a degree in um, in languages and translation. So I thought I'd take, and this is almost every flight attendant I know has that same kind of story where they kind of were just going in for like a one to three year, like hiatus, maybe between a, a degree and a master's or mm-hmm. just wanting to kind of uh, change it up and, and, and you just fall in love with it. I mean, if you're somebody that likes travel, um, it is pretty much the best setup because um, it allows for so much time um, and so much freedom in schedule once you get the seniority um, that it really is kind of the best of both worlds. It's having like a a stability uh, with the one employer, the consistency of doing the same thing, but not in the every day is never the same. Um, the destinations change, and and you're able to to discover to go on adventures uh, with work and 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 for for yourself. So yeah, yeah. I saw this um famous. Uh, I guess he's like a. I, I suppose he's a flight attendant too. He works for one of the flight companies, 
and he would fly for free by getting on uh kind of like leftover seats on the plane essentially and he would just he was making a a video log of he would turn up to airports jump on a plane like whatever plane he could get on within the next couple hours that was free because he worked for the Mm -hmm. flight companies and just make a vlog of where he would go that weekend and he was an american guy so usually he would end up in domestic locations but it was so cool to see that one weekend he'd be in like nevada or las vegas sorry or then he'd be in la then he'd be in austin then he'd be in denver so i guess it's like yeah you can end up in a lot of places as a flight attendant is there anywhere you've ended up that you thought you would never go like a certain country or a location that you were like wow um i think i got to go to a lot of places uh that are maybe not as uh, conventional but more through uh through my own exploration but for sure i discovered the world through 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 my job i had traveled i had lived in spain and i had lived in costa rica pre uh uh being a flight attendant Mm -hmm. and i had done some traveling in canada and the states and um but never to the extent that i now travel and the the places i guess that um that I love. They're not so. Much, I, we had talked about this when initially we started talking about doing this. Um, some of the destinations that I love the most are maybe considered mainstream or just well known, but it, they you can discover within those places if you're with the right people. And mm. and some of the greatest experiences I've had are like in Paris or like you know uh, in 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 Spain or in places that are not as exotic as un. Um, uh, tr- like places that are maybe undiscovered or yeah exactly yeah. but it's the way you do it right it's the people you're with whereas some of the places that might sound really exotic if you don't have the hookups if you don't have the people to show you you'll you'll kind of just brush the surface and you won't really get that experience so I definitely have favorite places and I definitely have a list that keeps getting longer of places I want to go. Oh, that's... that's <laughs> it's never ending. <laughs> the, the travel bug is real. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the tattoo bug. It's, it's, it's yeah, the travel bug is... Mm. Yeah, it's bad. Yeah, that's true with tattoos too. You get one, you want another, you want another. Oh, this looks good, I'll get that. Um, yeah, it's pretty bad. But I think right now as well, being like going through this pandemic... Um, it's made me realize how much it's just traveling is part of who I am, has become, like I am totally a gypsy. Mm -hmm. And being grounded, it just sounds, the word even, like it's what you say to a child when you put him in his room and you're like, you know, no dessert, you're grounded, this is your punishment. That's how I feel right now, you know? (laughs) Yeah, you've had your wings clipped, so to speak. Totally. Yeah. Totally. No, yeah. Yeah, I guess cut off from like a lot of the stuff that feeds me you know feeds my 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 soul mm-hmm. yeah it's gonna be so it's it's so hard to know I, c- I can only speculate but it'll be so interesting to see what happens with the travel industry going forward after immunization and and for that because that early or the, the the 2000s between let's say 2010 and 2020 was really just a free-for-all for travel. Uh, it was getting cheaper, flights were getting cheaper, more countries, mm-hmm. were, more countries were considered, you know, safe. And then with the advancement in phones, like sometimes I would come back and explain to my uncle who he's done a lot of travel as well, but he traveled 
in the 80s, 90s. And it was, it was so foreign to him for me to just be able to explain, yeah, I can just book a hotel or a hostel on, <laughs> on my phone or I can talk to someone and stay at their house on my phone on couch surfing or blah, blah. Yes. I can jump in a car with someone on blah, blah car or I can... The convenience of travel with being able to have a phone, it's... it's I, I don't know. Do you know what I mean? It's just opened so many doors and it's made it travel so accessible and it's almost the hard print- to... The preparation, uh, in my case, like um, uh, my, I have a really close friend that we travel uh, and we've, we've done so many destinations together. As I call her my travel wife, she's also <laughs> that's us. great. And my travel wife and I, we often do these, uh, like we challenge ourselves within traveling. So when we did Thailand, our challenge was we're doing Thailand without a plan, without maps. Um, we're not allowed to, we're on a strict budget. Like we had like the worst budget. Uh, so we were staying it. in places without AC, with just like ceiling fans. And, and oh, I love it. We're just going with the flow and trying to meet people and, and, and decide from there, you know, we're taking this bus and then, okay, well, this person knows about this spot. And, and we met um, three uh, Israeli soldiers after the year they had just finished their uh, military service and became fast friends and it was wonderful but like what you're describing um, I don't think we'll be able to travel like that mm. <laughs> for a while or yeah. maybe ever and that grieving process that um, the idea that that spontaneity because we will need to plan the same way right now I want to get on the mountain I got a reserve I got to think ahead I got to pack my masks, I got to have my, you know, even in the beginning of the pandemic, I had to plan, you know, where am I going to pee? Because I'm coming up from, you know, Vancouver, I'm going to Whistler. There were bathrooms that were closed pretty much everywhere. Like, so for traveling, um, yeah. it won't be as as spontaneous. A spur of the moment. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny you say that about your trip in Thailand. I had a, a similar but different trip when I was in Vietnam I was on the biggest shoestring budget and I went there (laughs) I did like a motorbike trip through Vietnam with another guy that's amazing and I was like the little planner I I I had a map like a legitimate printed out high def map of Vietnam and I was like pinning or writing like circling town sorry and then writing a little okay this temple is here and then this is here and I, I was going full hard out style on it and he was just so go with the flow like he didn't mind where we went at all was so happy to ride through the back the little backwater town so it's so funny to but hear isn't it the best though yeah you can't plan isn't it better than planning like I'm, I, honestly if you plan you miss out on everything Oh, yeah, yeah. I sort of had an idea of the places I wanted to go, but I never okay. enforced, okay, I need to be here on this date, we're going to go, we're going to go. And it ended up being so much fun. And, yeah. So, for for us, our, our slogan is, do you say slogan? Or yeah. is that, am I making uh, it up from French? Our slogan? No, no, yeah, that's that's for sure a thing. So, <laughs> our slogan is like, what's the plan? And then she answers, there's no plan. <laughs> so like, if we get caught in our head about like, but we really wanted to do this. And then she's like, what's the plan? And I'm like, there's no plan. Because yeah. we, you do it without thinking about it. Like you, you organize, because in life, you, you know, we plan stuff. But traveling, it gets you like connected with that, just that instinct of, of you're just completely free. In in my in my mind that's like the best 
version of myself you go back to the organized version even within the trip so like we have to constantly remind each other like no 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 like don't no like this is a break from all of that like this is why we do this and the reason we started doing that is because initially we took uh italian together um italian classes so we did two levels like 16 weeks of italian classes and we were going to go to rome solid and then to practice and then we decided okay we're going to book a flight but we're always standby because we're two flight attendants and that's a great thing about flying standby is that even when you want to make a plan that plan is never a plan like you're always going to be subject to changes because if there's a strike and then all of a sudden a bunch of airlines transfer their passengers onto Air Canada or you know there's a I don't know so many things can happen you're the last priority so you often have to reroute or you often have to change your plans so we went to try and go to Rome directly but the flights were full so we ended up going through Madrid and we never made it well we made it to Rome but like we basically spent two days in Rome so we spent our whole trip uh, in Madrid because when we got there we Um, we met people and, and our trip just became something different. And every day we would tell each other, today we're going to Rome. Like we would wake up and be like, come on. Like we've literally studied for 16 weeks. Oh, that's <laughs> and, so funny. And, and then it kind of became an inside joke where it was like, we're so going to Rome today. And like, no, we're not. Like this is, the trip has a life of its own and you just got to kind of go with it. I love um, that. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I can see why that would be the butt of the joke is, oh, we're going to Rome today. But in the back of your mind, we're like, we're probably not going to go to Rome today. We ended up going to Ibiza. Um, and from Ibiza, we flew back uh, to Rome because uh, okay. being a flight attendant, you end up being a travel fairy. So I had brought a friend with us on our passes who was going to Italy. And we dropped him off in Madrid. He took a, he paid for like a low-cost flight from Madrid to to Rome, but we had to go pick him up because he can't fly without us. So we ended up having to go to Rome for two days just because, you know, we had plans that we had to bring back uh, my friend. So it was kind of funny because once we made it to Rome, we were, yeah, we we basically didn't really get to practice our Italian that much. So you know, obviously English, French, because you're French Canadian, and you said before you'd been to Paris, uh, used your French. Italian, and I'm guessing you know Spanish as well because you lived in Costa Rica, you said? Mm -hmm. wow. My Italian is not great. I can understand it, but I wouldn't say I speak Italian. So yeah. I speak French, English, and Spanish. And then I did two years of German, but that's far from... I was in college, so I can understand it. But again, speaking... Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. I can, ich bin glücklich. Italian <laughs> and, like, Italian and Spanish are kind of similar. So which one? Uh, Italian and Spanish, there's some sort of similarities and a bit of, I guess, that French a little bit too with the... Yeah, they're all Latin. All, based, exactly, yeah. yeah. Latin-based and they have the male and female. They're so similar though that it gets complicated because when we were taking Italian, I kept going back to my Spanish and it made it complicated because then you spell, you make mistakes because they're so close. Mm -hmm. So they suggest when you're learning languages to go like maybe one Latin, one Germanic or like to the last language that you speak tends to be the one you refer to when you're learning a language. So um, not having two similar languages um, is probably helpful, but I, I love Latin languages. So yeah, I want to learn Portuguese next, but the idea would be probably to 
finish Italian first and then and then move on to Portuguese and and then who knows I I really love Japanese those are some of the flights that I enjoy and that sounds like completely different and the calligraphy is fascinating so yeah yeah we have a whole life to learn a bunch of languages so hopefully by the time I'm old uh, I'm able to speak uh, many more for sure yeah Japan's a fascinating culture actually I've always I've never been but I've always been sort of saving Japan in the back of my mind like I haven't been there yet but I know I'm gonna go just because it looks so cool and the culture is just so unique and yeah I'd love to go don't save Japan just go it's amazing like the food (laughs) the people uh even just the aesthetic like how they're minimalist in the way that they dress their energy they're so respectful and and kind and no yeah. japan blows my mind that's what it's, i'd like uh, to really learn from the the sort of shinto leftover um culture the respect the peace the, it's insane yeah the minimalism and putting the putting the collective before the individual that kind of thing i love that yeah. well if you look at um just right now what's happening with the pandemic and the the wearing of masks Japan already does that. If you go to Japan and somebody is sick on the bus, and I mean sick, like if they have a little cough, they're going to wear a mask. Like the the, mm. the thinking of the other and the putting collectivity first that you mentioned, that's real. Like you, you are not going to have people speaking on the phone in public transportation in Japan. People are not going to, they're going to wait until they're, they're able to have that conversation and it not bother other people. Mm-hmm. Um, you won't see people eating and walking at the same time. Like they're going to wait and sit and take that time. Like mindfulness is so part of their culture. I love that. Um, as an American. And I think as Canadians, we forget because we're so driven by productivity and individuality becomes, um, I don't know. I think it, it takes over a lot of the, the, the collective kind of, mentality that um that japan kept <laughs> some for some reason and yeah. it just kind of makes you yeah it makes you realize how we are not as um mindful of each other as they are and they take the time they're present um not speaking japanese when we go uh to when we fly to japan we stay in narita which is a small town by the airport it has like a temple and uh, not a lot of people speak English. Like it is not going to Tokyo and you have no issue getting around because people will take the time to understand what you're trying to say. And mm-hmm. they're very, uh, like they'll, they'll really try and, and, and if we did that, we would all get along better, you know, but here things go fast and, and <laughs> If you get like when I do the New Yorks, you know, I remember being in line for ordering a pizza and just the intensity of the process. I was like, oh shit, like I really have to have my order like down. Like it was like, I don't know if you watched like uh, Seinfeld, but like the soup Nazi, like those guys were. And then when it got to me, I was like, uh, 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 and he's like, just moved on. Like, he, too, <laughs> like too slow. Like, when, get your shit together. Like, mm. oh my God. And, and by stress, I ordered like this huge pizza because I didn't know I had questions. Like I was like, what size is like the, 
anyways i ended oh. up leaving with like a family-sized pizza you panic you just you take it you shut up you take what they give you you say thank you you yeah. literally get insulted in the process but it's fine it's fine it's new york yeah i have friends who have told me that in japan they've seen people um put their rubbish uh for example they're on a train or a bus and they eat an apple weird example but they eat the apple and they put the they open their handbag and they put the apple core in a small ziploc bag and zip it up because they again i guess no one's going to be throwing apple cores on a bus unless they're pretty pretty greasy but they the people in japan are so conscious of rubbish and if there's not a bin around they will take their rubbish everywhere with them and i love that too because one of my pet hates is people littering i just (laughs) i can't stand littering so when i heard that about um the people in Japan, I was like, that's awesome. I love that. I love that they're so dedicated to to not littering and they care enough, so for sure. Are you a snowboarder or uh, do you ski? I do both. I've just switched up to skiing this season, so I, I've done three seasons boarding and now, I don't know, I just really wanted to give... You went from snowboarding to skiing? Yeah, I went the other way, but I sort of... I don't know anybody who's done that. I know, oh my gosh. but that's kind of why I did it. I wanted to be the what? I wanted to be the, the wild card. Well, I liked. I, I did the opposite. Yeah, that's that's super common. Everyone sort of grows up on skis and then switches. Yeah, so, but I was gonna say, uh, if you ride and you speak of like you know the importance of of uh, being mindful and like not littering, and you might be talking, you might be looking at like Japan being like your your sole destination. Like I believe that there are some places you set foot and you're home. Like for me, that's Spain. Like the second I, I, I got to Spain, there was this, this feeling of like, you've arrived and I know I will live in Spain. Like mm. I, I will always go back. It, it just speaks to me. But the way you're talking, like <laughs> you, sh- you shouldn't hold off on Japan. What if something happens and you don't get to experience it? Go to Japan. Mm. Well, it's sort of more, I guess holding off was the wrong way to to put it, but um, I sort of just haven't got around to it yet. But I, I know what you're saying, what you're saying about uh, soul destinations and stuff too. Um, Yeah, there's definitely... Like, what's your top three, if you could go anywhere right now, places you have already been or that you have never, what's your top three? Do you have one? Oh, this is good. Okay. I wasn't expecting <laughs> you to ask me stuff, so that's, this is nice. Um, to Top three that I have already been or or want to go? Doesn't matter. Like okay. top three, because me, okay. Spain's always going to be in the top. I don't care that I've been. Like so, where would you go if you could go anywhere, including places you've never been and places you've been? Three okay. places. Well, I'm going to go with three that I've never been because I always love the new places. And let's pretend nice. it's let's pretend it's a no COVID world. So it's it's Oh, let's do that. Yeah, it's twenty let's say it's twenty eighteen or something. So if I was if it was twenty eighteen and I could go to any three places, I would go South Africa. I've always wanted to go. My my mum was born there and oh. she was from there. Um, Mongolia really strikes a chord with me as well. And Oh, I'll probably say Japan. Yeah, Japan is number three. But I really... There's some places in the Middle East I'd really like to go as well. But I guess... Uh, like where? Like where? Iran looks amazing. Uh, Damn, tur- you have some good ones. <laughs> Turkey looks really cool. But I'll stick to my three. South Africa, Mongolia, and Japan. What, what about- was the last one you just said? 
Japan. Oh, Mon- no, no, I know, but after Iran, uh, Turkey and Morocco. Okay, okay. Yeah, I'm I- writing this down. <laughs> I don't know why. Um, so Mongolia is on mine. So that's weird because yeah. that's not a lot of people. I'm, I'm, and South Africa is one of the places I've been that blew my mind. So you, yeah, yeah definitely go. Yeah, yeah. And, I'm- and you know where I stand on Japan, but um, <laughs> wow, yeah. That's yeah. a really good top three. What would you Thanks. do in Mongolia? Why are you attracted to Mongolia? Do you like horses? Yeah, I do like horses. That's it's. I want to do like a horseback trip, or yeah. a, or a um a cross country trip. Whether that be via motorbike again, now that I'm a bit more experienced, or trekking or horseback. Uh, and also, I really like the idea of places that not so many people have been for starters but also places that have are still really uh less touched culture by modernization and globalization and interconnectedness and i feel like there's still some places in mongolia and the steeps that where the lifestyle is a step back in time and that really appeals to me interesting yeah i find a lot of people that i that i that I talk to sometimes have a, a it's going to be hard to find the word. It's like, a, like their travel, like the, the, it's easy to become like a travel snob when you travel a lot. And, and I understand what you say about not wanting to go somewhere that's been changed by tourism. But I don't think that the fact that people have discovered it before you should take any um anything away from that place you know like um Mm -hmm. i i don't like it when people are and i'm not saying that's what you're doing at all i'm just like that's cool let it um i think some people are trying to to find destinations that sound interesting but the trip and the way that you travel is where it's at like it's not so much the destination like we as flight attendants, you discover your country as well. And and a lot of people, because we are limited, well, not us as flight attendants, because we do have a lot of time, but most people, they got like, what, two to four weeks of vacation a year. And so you got to make it count. So not a lot of people will travel within Canada. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it's not something that's going to be at the top of their list. But being a flight attendant, you start going to St. John's, Newfoundland. You go to Halifax you travel to like you get out of the traveling just for i guess the 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 destinations that sound good and you realize like you don't have to go far even within bc during the pandemic not having the opportunity to take Mm. the plane and travel far like i discovered uh you know the okanagan valley i i went up even just in pemberton the um, what's it called? No, it wasn't Pemberton. It's higher. There's a vineyard in, um, uh, what's it called? I'm drawing a blank, but like you start to, to be curious about what's close when, when the opportunity either arises or when the opportunity to go further doesn't exist. And you realize it's that same essence, like travel doesn't have to be, um, that far or sound that exotic to, to be like, life-changing and and to bring you a lot of uh lessons and experiences you know totally yeah i um i think there's 
there's so much adventure to be had definitely within within everyone's backyard and their own country i agree i've definitely done more exploring in the cedar sky corridor and parts of bc knowing that i can't go far but a good example would be for i guess for me why i wanted to go to mongolia i met a young couple who were maybe mid to late 30s and they had a couple kids and they rode two tandem bicycles across mongolia and that was kind of what embedded the thought in my mind um if that if that kind of makes sense but no i totally agree it's it's up to your imagination uh how you explore a place i've also met people that have done a a bmx trip in australia and a spearfishing trip so they this <laughs> is su- super it random like you're naming um like the Banff film festival lineup like, <laughs> you're like literally yeah so it was a tandem in mongolia and spearfishing and oh, like that's I- like a adventurous yeah well really I, adventurous. I didn't do the spearfishing trip but this was a trip some guys i met did and they where in australia so they just rode bicycles and uh, like bikes and then they brought their spearfishing gear and fishing gear and they would just try and catch fish and spearfish along the way so just i guess it's up to the imagination of the individual of what how they travel when we, um, me and my travel wife, Camelia, uh, when we uh, were, were supposed to go to Rome and we ended up staying in, um, in Madrid, we actually uh, met up with uh, one friend that I had made traveling um, with my sisters to Mexico. We were in Playa del Carmen and they were, him and his uh, Spanish friends, they were doing the um, Che Guevara uh, trip, but... Um, uh, upside down so i think the chigavaja started from argentina up to mexico right yeah yeah so they were starting in mexico and going all the way down to um uh to argentina and in a westphalia with uh, only like they had their um uh, diving instructor uh, certification so they could teach diving along the way and then they were waiting tables and whatever but um yeah that trip and those guys to this day they're like super close friends but um they it really um inspired me as well uh, to 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 look the way that i explored differently like they completely were outside of the norm in yeah. <laughs> how yeah. they yeah how they saw travel it's cool but the spear fishing sounds interesting mm. yeah well it's cool it's just cool to see where people like what we're saying about their creativity takes them i i think yeah you can definitely have Europe, what you're saying about Spain and, uh, sorry, Madrid and Rome. Europe is, there's just so much going on though as well. You can change borders, the language changes, the architecture changes, the culture changes, the food changes. I think for for someone to do a trip within Europe or just a couple countries within Europe rather than doing 20 countries in Europe, I I definitely agree. There's still so much there to see and to do. And as an Australian with a country that doesn't share any borders, just the idea of crossing a a line and being in another country and the language changes is still so exciting. And I I, I just find it fascinating. But don't you think that borders are kind of disappearing? Um, I'm not sure. Maybe COVID will bring that back. But like, 
even in within Europe, like it's not what it used to be in terms of like how you're controlled with the European Union. Going from Spain to France to Italy is quite fluid now. Oh, in Europe, yeah, for sure. I'm not sure about other yeah. countries though. Well, I think other. Well, in, in Africa, I haven't like uh, uh, traveled by ground, so I don't know. And then in in Latin America, it was pretty hmm. pretty chill going from like Costa Rica to Panama. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's um, I guess it depends on the country. Some places the border is becoming. Some places there was never a border, and now there is a border, and the border is becoming more strict. Like for example, Pakistan, India, or places where there's maybe a bit of tension. But I guess I know what you're saying. As the general rule, yeah, I'd say travel is getting easier as well. In terms of cro crossing borders. That's my destination. That I'm. I don't want to say saving for later because that's the word you use, but I mean that I'm kind of like, um, I know that I'm going to uh, go there, but it hasn't happened. For me, it's India. Have you been? Uh, yeah, I did a trip there two years ago now. It was really cool. How I, long did you stay? Uh, I did five weeks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was really nice. India is amazing. India, if it's like a country within... Oh, it's, sorry, it's a, like a world within the world. There's so much going on there all the time. And there's so much to look at and just observe people watching or the city you're in, the culture, the smells, the sound. It's it's really a fascinating place. Definitely, I, I highly recommend it. It's very hard to describe it, but the best way I can describe it really is it's like a miniature world within the world. There's, you feel like you're, you know you're in India and you know... Um, it's got its complete own thing going on when you're there. So one of my best friends has spent like a lot of time in India and he describes it as, he says it's another planet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Not a world. Altogether. Yeah. And I, I was lucky enough to go, but um, I never am able to say I've been somewhere if I've only been on a layover. Yeah. Because a layover is just like, I think we, we touched on this as well when we talked before. It's like a preview. <laughs> so you can't really say you watch the movie it's like the trailer the movie trailer, the movie trailer. It, yeah so i've been to <laughs> yeah. india twice uh, yeah. in my career and um both times i've stayed 24 hours so the one time i took uh like um i took a, a cab to markets and um the second time uh we went to a sick temple with uh some um uh language speaking uh, flight attendants like the root language um uh, uh, flight attendants uh, they took me uh, with them and one of them was actually looking for her wedding dress so we got to uh, go and try on saris and stuff but very like very short like kind of a clip into uh, into that world but still it's something but um, yeah I am very curious about India traveling to India for sure yeah yeah it's um there's a lot there's a lot left to say what's um i was to bring it back to to the flight attendant stuff and what you're saying before about where you've done layovers and everything like that how does that work in regards to your flight privileges do you have to pay do you just pay less for flights or do you get given free flight tokens or how does that work so it's changed in the 15 years that I've worked for Air Canada, and every company is different. The way that it works for us currently um, is that we have a number of flights that um, 
Well, first of all, I'm unlimited. If I had a spouse or if I um, if I had children and my parents are unlimited. So that's like immediate family, right? If I don't have a spouse, I can um, identify two people uh, over a year period. So from December to uh, from January to December um, to fly uh, without me and never at the same time. But um, and that's what I have uh, currently. I have like my little brother and then I usually keep a pass uh, for either somebody if I'm seeing somebody or like a, a member of my family that would have uh, uh, time that year or that would really be able to, uh, to, to use them. And then the flights are pretty much, pretty much right now free. Um, wow. But you're, you can't wave like... Uh, when you buy a ticket, you don't see everything that goes into it. But every airport has airport taxes. Uh, some countries have tourist fees, um, and those are included in your ticket. But we we get to see exactly those fees because that's all that I pay. So if I'm going oh, to Cuba, okay. I might be paying a sixteen dollar there and back fee. But if I go into London, London has a ninety dollar. Um, uh, you can't waive like tourist fee. So if I go to London, it's minimum at 90. Then there's probably an airport improvement fee because every airport has taxes to pay for, you know, whatever the renovations are. So that may be $26. So like London is an expensive city to fly into for us because it has that tourist visa that's worth $90. Um, yeah. Like Montreal airport is quite expensive. Vancouver, since the Olympics, has more of an improvement fee because they upgraded. So yeah, it's uh, it's we just kind of we're free, but like we do pay a certain amount, you know. Yeah, and what's it like when but, you? Oh, sorry, you go. So no, go go go. I was just gonna say, what's it like when you first start out as a flight attendant? You do you have to do that all that all? Uh, sorry, all that underwater plane crash scenario, escape the the cabin and stuff. I've always wondered about Yeah, that. I realized we didn't, um, like, I talked about what they kind of look for in hiring. But, um, yeah, so it's a, um, a two-month uh, training. Uh, and is it a month or two months, man? This was 15 years ago for me. Well, all my flight attendants that will be listening to this will be like, <laughs> she it's didn't, this. Yeah, uh, but she didn't basically, the it's, it's all safety-related. So, uh, initially, flight attendants were nurses because what you want – is somebody that's gonna take charge in case of a an emergency situation or a medical situation. So that's what flight attendants are trained to do. What you guys see, what passengers see, is service. They see us bringing headphones, giving food, picking up stuff, and uh, you know, cleaning up the cabin, attending to people's needs. But um, you really see a flight attendant when something goes wrong. So in my career, a lot has gone wrong, but. Very rarely do, does someone who travel see something happening, but that's what you're there for. So your training is almost all security, safety, and then you'll have some service. But most people that are um, hired already have service because that's what they looked for, right? So I came from, uh, you know, I had done uh, bartending, waitressing. We have people that come from the hotel uh, industries. We have people coming from all sorts of customer service uh um, jobs and so we kind of already bring that what's important is you know all the safety equipment's location on every aircraft uh, you know 
how to evacuate um, every aircraft, which doors have uh, slide rafts, which doors have just slides, so that if you're evacuating in water, you're you know where to go, you know where the you know uh, radio beacons are, you know where the the what's it called the the medical doctor kit is, so that if you have a passenger going through a situation, you can access it in case of a fire. In case, so your whole training is basically drills. So what you're describing, we do that for like, I think it's two months. <laughs> you do that for two months, day in, day out. You're yelling, evacuation uh, commands, you're uh, practicing, uh, dealing with all sorts of uh, unpredictable situation and scenarios. So it's, yeah, it's way more of a, like, I would say an emergency training than a flight, like what people would picture as a flight attendant training. Totally. Yeah. You always yeah. want, I guess you always want someone who's got a, a cool head in a, in a, a rough situation. And that's always what people look for when they, when something's going wrong, they want someone to steer the ship, so to speak. So that makes total sense to have all the, the flight attendants be trained in, okay, this is the procedure and this is how it goes. And, but so you said, I'm yeah, not, and uh, when you're on the plane, sometimes it takes a really long time before you can get that plane on the ground. So you are literally the person that's we're lucky. Most of the time, we'll have like a medical doctor on board, a nurse, a paramedic, uh, a firefighter, and these are people that are way more skilled than than we are. Um, we do have flight attendants that are also nurses. We have flight attendants that have other you know backgrounds, so they can use that. But like, definitely you're you're supposed to be able to hold up whatever situation happens until we get safely on the ground and paramedics come in or whatever uh whatever the situation uh needs yeah. you know you're 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 way up high when something happens so yeah. it can be a while before you get on the ground you said before you were asking something oh that's all right yeah no you said before that you had a few incidents on planes do you you've got my you've piqued my interest is there anything have you had I any... wrote so many because I was like, have you ever... I mean, in 15 years. Have you ever done an actual evacuation? No. So oh, for so... me, yeah. we've never evacuated the plane. And That's I've cool. had people that have evacuated on the ground or that have had like uh, emergency landings. Uh, for me, I had a lot of medical emergencies on board. Um, oh, of course. Yeah. A... yeah. But I mean, in terms of like the mechanics of the plane, or like emergency situations uh, uh, in link with like the cabin or the integrity of the of the aircraft, uh, not so much. Like reducted takeoffs and landings, which is like when you're landing and then you're about to go on the runway and then the tower would say, oh, we just realized that there's a plow that's still close, so you gotta keep, you gotta go back up. So then you're about to land and they just like floor it. And then you really feel like you're in a spaceship because oh, you're, yeah. you're going back up quite fast or the opposite where, you know, you're, you're about to take off and then they're going to cancel it because for some reason, um, something, uh, is in the way of, of, of the plane being able to take off. Yeah. Um, I, but I, yeah, no, my incidents were more, um, medically related. So I wrote a couple, I had, um, I had a woman uh, pass on a flight. Oh. Um, that was pretty traumatic. Wow. I had a gentleman have an epileptic seizure, like literally on me. 
I performed the Harmlich Moonover. Um, I escalated a mob situation in a, on an aircraft in the United States. Uh, I spent a whole flight with a fearful flyer that was having a panic attack. Um, oh. I de-escalated a violent drunk passenger uh, who was in first class uh, who had been cut off of alcohol. Oh. Um, I got just ruining everyone's flight. <laughs> like no, but like you're 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 you can't get like help or you can't be like if it's just in that moment you're like oh it's more than ruining that person's flight it's like what if he gets to a point where you know he he gets out of control like we actually train about how to restrain passengers like we have we have tough ties and um Mm -hmm. i've never had to use them but that's the closest it came i was like going but in my head i was going through like the procedure. I, I was like, oh, okay. I more meant the drunk guy was just ruining everyone else's flight. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. The whole first class cabin and even in the back, like he was loud. Like it was yeah, oh. it was intense. Yeah, but, it's funny. Um, Some people I think they try and calm their nerve a little bit by just boozing on the plane. Or they just or the they just want to be to know, like people who are listening. Uh, one drink on the ground is three three drinks because of cabin pressure and altitude. So think about if you're a climber or a hike, like someone that does mountaineering, you know how the oxygen level and just like uh, altitude affects you. Well, it affects also your capacity to, uh, um, for your body to um, be affected by alcohol. And so count every drink as three drinks when you're flying. So someone who's used to being able to hold a lot of his liquor or her liquor tends to not realize how that's going to affect them and when it hits i got a lot of people pass out like people that come on drunk you know that like as soon as we'll be up in the air <laughs> yeah. they're out like it's gonna be a different uh different game when people start coughing on planes now before it was sort of you know the cliche crying baby and then the you know people coughing at the back of the plane someone's always getting up and down to use the bathroom but Maybe a post-COVID world, the cough will be the most frowned upon thing on the plan. Who knows? It always changes. Like, yeah. uh, I think post 9-11, a lot of sensitivities became, you know, uh, because of that. And then when we had the incidents, was it in London, about the explosion? And that was made from, like, liquids uh, hidden in a shoe. And then that created the whole liquids became the devil every time that you go on a plane you gotta watch how much liquids you like we the airline industry always um has a tendency to um adapt react and adapt but Mm -hmm. based on the the incidents that happen i don't know if you know this but um have you heard about the the pilot that um oh i have to tell this right but i don't know which country but he was he German? He crashed a plane. He had like a mental breakdown. Oh, no. I've never heard of that. And so now one of the policies um, is that if one of the pilots in the flight deck needs to use the washroom, a flight attendant needs to step in so that there's never a pilot that's alone so that I don't understand necessarily like how I would be able to, you know, react if a pilot would lose his mind and decide to crash the plane like my training is not uh that's when you get that yeah, the, 
the restraining straps take over. Yeah, but I'm save thinking, the day. like, whatever he does, how am I going to undo it? Like, have you ever been in a flight deck? <laughs> have <laughs> yeah. you looked at, like, what that looks like? Yeah, a million, a million flashing buttons and control panels and, and yeah, yeah, exactly. gauges and meters but... and... But it's uh, but it's interesting because what you're saying is true. Like there's definitely going to be a whole new reality of travel, and then by association of like how people uh, get uncomfortable in certain situations based on COVID, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I have you ever had? You probably have. Um, but have you ever had a moment when people clap when the plane lands? I can't. <laughs> I feel so, so ashamed of this. Yeah, it's so weird. Are the biggest clappers? Oh man. I went through, I was, I had a really rough plane coming back through turbulence when I was, it was one of my first overseas travels when I was a bit younger. And anyway, long story short, we we did go through a lot of turbulence. The seatbelt sign is bing, bing, you know, coming on, everyone's strapping up and the plane's like shaking pretty, like it's a lot, it's noticeable. It's pretty, pretty violently shaking, I guess you could say, going up and down and it's getting rises and falls and you could feel your sort of stomach rise and then it would fall again and you had a tiny like millisecond of weightlessness and everyone was like, uh-oh. But when we landed, it was just like spontaneous, like start clapping and I was like, the clap just ruined this moment for me. It was, I just I just <laughs> wanted to chill in peace and be happy to be alive. I think it's cute because I think, yes, like let's not take anything for granted. Let's, the pilots are oh. amazing. Oh, I'm yeah, for so sure. I'm so impressed with It's the amazing what they do, do but... I, like come on like my my the next level is uh yeah. and that's something i had written down like the the people we get to see on the plane but i had um uh, what's his name the the canadian um uh, astronaut astronaut uh, with oh. the mustache uh oh i'm sorry oh, man, i'm uh, i hate i'm hate, I hate uh, drawing i'm not well like, versed on canadian astronauts i can't help you come on <laughs> the one with the mustache is not helping me is that helping you? No. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm googling Canadian astronaut because yeah. I'm like, and, and oh, it's possible. Oh, I remember this couple got engaged. He's a rock star. He he's, he's the pilot. Okay. Well, you. Chris you, Hatfield. You find... Okay, so I had Chris Hatfield. Hatfield. Board, okay. And see now I don't remember why I was saying that because I had to look for him. I was gonna say I saw a couple get engaged on the plane. That that was actually pretty cool. That that was clap worthy in my opinion. That was pretty what cool. Was What's gay? Engaged. Yeah, okay. yeah. Like they made an announcement. Actually, the the flight attendant made an announcement. It was like it was so sweet and professional. She gets on oh, the look at that. oh, the couple in row forty three have just have just been engaged, and then she came down <laughs> came down the aisle and gave them a little cake, a uh, little cake, and everyone was like, oh my gosh, yay, wow, and everyone was clapping. <laughs> I really like your flight attendant voice, by the way. Oh, so I, I, I was actually trying to do an Australian then. It was a, I was on a Qantas flight, so shame on me. No, because I do the announcements. Because when you're a language, uh, uh, when you have root languages, you're, you're, you're pretty much always the one that does the announcements. Yeah. So um, yeah, you, you do good on my flights. Oh, sweet. Yeah. The, the couple in row. I liked it. Well, who knows? But yeah, Maybe. for sure, for sure. Like, uh, if we're able to. To, to make people feel special. What I like, my favorite thing, is when I get uh, first-time flyers that are, like, in their 70s or older. Like, when it's somebody that's flying for the first time that's, like, 85. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That, oh, my God, I love that. 
Like that makes me so happy. And they're always so like we take things for granted, which is what I was just saying and about like Chris Hatfield and, mm-hmm. and like the clapping, like it's it still blows my mind sometimes that like we're we're flying and we get to see um crazy landscape. Um yeah. probably not as good as Chris when he's up in space, but um like we can see <laughs> Aurora des Aurores Boréales. Yeah. I don't know how to. Yeah, we can see lightning storms are so awesome. Yeah, like, and it's and people wouldn't have even been able to see that just a hundred years ago, more or less in nineteen twenty, and now it's so mainstream, you know, pre-COVID to be able to just fly and be above the earth and see the mountains and the storms. Right. I know what you mean. I I never take that that like, for granted for sure. Like when you get on the mountain and you're having a day and you're just like, I'm just gonna take the peak to peak just because it's so freaking gorgeous. Oh, I do that as well. I'm super guilty of the peak to peaks. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't care that it's my fourth season in Whistler. I love a good peak to peak, like a clear day. Yeah. Like, it's just nice. And so even though I fly so much, I, I wouldn't clap, but I still, like, sometimes I'm like, damn, that was a good landing. <laughs> yeah. like, it was so smooth, barely felt the wheels. Like, yeah it's rad it's awesome mm. and yeah like to be able to still marvel at it and that's why like when you have like someone that's like you know never flown and that's in the i would say like the the winter of their life um you really see what you're supposed to see when you're doing these things that we now take for granted like you see that excitement and you realize i'm really lucky the fact that I do this like multiple times a day doesn't change the fact that it's really cool that we can fly, you know? Yeah. And I know what you mean. It's so cool to see people have firsts in life still. And I think that energy is kids, kids have that. And we try and replicate that as we get older because we lose touch with it a little bit. And kids are, oh, wow, snowballs. Or, oh, wow, my first time in a plane. Or, oh, wow, look at the, on the gondola. And I know exactly what you mean. It's, and and then it goes, the pendulum swings the other way. When Maybe when you get into those older years, you've had so many firsts that anything that you have a first with again is really important or really interesting because you've had 70 years or 80 years now to build up all those first experiences. So to have another first is such, it's such a cool thing because it's, oh, wow, I've really worked for this or this has been... Like, can you imagine having a first time flight when you're 80 in your 80s? Yeah, that's incredible. Like, that's twice my life. Like, what? I don't know. I find it really awesome. Yeah. Or, like, the the experience I was telling you about the the fearful flyer that I sat beside, I thought that was awesome. Like, this woman was scared of flying to a level that she had to take classes. So she had gone and taken classes. And some of those classes, it's just, like, you go to a mock-up of a plane and you get on and you sit down and then she would have panic attacks and she would freak out and like she invested time to be able to do this and her goal was that she lived in Halifax so on top of the fact that you know she was afraid of flying she lived in a place that was not easily accessible you know she she, taking a plane is an advantage in some places that it's not as much if you live on the mainland you know yeah and um and she wanted to bring her daughter to see, I think it was Selena Gomez, like a, just a popular singer. And um, 
she underestimated oh, that was why she was flying was for the first time that's that's kind of cute actually the, isn't it the thing so that, she's with her daughter yeah that, and that's as i'm passing by i could see she's clutching the armrest like her fingers are white and her daughter is scared because her mom is petrified yeah and i'm like what's happening and she's like i need to get off and i'm like well, there's no getting off like at this point like we're about to get onto the runway and we're yeah. gonna take off like what's what's wrong and she's trying to explain this to me but like it's sheer panic yeah and I'm like hopefully the daughter was grateful the what hopefully the daughter was grateful i'd forever be telling I mean, be telling my I'd kids i'd be so grateful especially <laughs> if it's your mom or your dad like yeah. you know you look up to them so much but Basically, not for takeoff and landing, because I had to take my jump seat, but I, I sat with her most of the flight and talked her through a lot of it. And she was so happy when she got there. Like, it was such a big accomplishment for her. Um, but, yeah, that too, to, to realize that for some people, and there's a lot more people that than we realize that are afraid of flying, not to that level, but that are that will take, like, a lot of means of transportation before they get on a flight, you know? Yeah. What are you afraid so, of? What's your biggest fear? Oh, water. Oh, okay. So you're uh, like, so, tragedy, tragedy would be landing on water for you? Oh my God, yeah. But like, forget <laughs> like you're giving me the worst scenario. I was just yeah. thinking like, without the aircraft, like what's my worst fear? Like for me, I don't understand that element. Yeah. Like I remember getting I was... into surfing, getting under waves for the first time, getting pounded by water, doing kayak, like everything I've done in water, what freaks me out is the silence and the incapacity to breathe. I'm like, this is nuts. The fact that people mm. really like enjoy that element blows yeah. my mind. For me, it is like, oh. I remember I was watching like, Castaway on the movie on on my on my flight. And it was the guy next to me just looked at me like, because it got to the scene where the plane is crashing and all the alarms are going, doo, 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 and the plane's, you know, getting shaken around and Tom Hanks is trying to get strapped in and the guy flies out of the back. And it was such an, a taboo movie to watch on a plane. And I was just, I was laughing inside myself like, this is hilarious. Like, I should not be watching right now. And this guy is 